Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it will bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm... Today's passage is from Psalm 129, 130, and 131. Psalm 129 says, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms, nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And so, you know, this psalm is a short one. And basically it's, it's saying, you know, there's been afflictions upon me. And there's been trouble. And there's been opposers of my life and my plans. And yet they have not prevailed against me. It reminds me of the passage that says, The weapon is formed, but it shall not prosper. We live in a fallen world. We have a full-time adversary, and the more land that we take for the kingdom of God, we're taking land for the kingdom of God, we're taking a land away from the kingdom of darkness, and so there are afflictions that come upon us, and there are afflictions, you could say, even from your youth, and you could look back, and you could look back at all the slipping and the stumbling and all the attacks and uh, all the strongholds that, that were forged and, you know, all of these different things. And yet you can look at where you're standing now. If you're with the Lord and you're walking with the Lord, you can say confidently what the psalmist says here, yet they have not prevailed against me. And because they have not, they will not now and forever. The Lord will be with me. The plowers plowed upon my back and they made long their furrows. But the Lord is righteous. He cut the cords of the wicked. He has defended me. He is my defender. And may all who hate Zion or all who hate uh, the Lord's chosen people, who all who hate the church, all who hate those of us who follow Jesus, may they be put to shame and turned backward. You know, let them be like the grass on the housetops which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheep his arms, nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And so essentially it's just saying, Lord, would you be my vindicator? The vengeance belongs to you. Lord, you've not let my you've not let me stumble to this point. You've not let me fall yet. Every time that it seemed as though uh, I was going to be prevailed, you wouldn't let it happen. And now, even presently, as there are people who oppose me, or there are people that I fear oppose me, I know that you won't you won't let me uh, you won't let me lose now, because the battle is not mine, but it belongs to the Lord, and those that oppose the Lord will end in ruins, right? So I don't have to fight. This is a song of freedom. 
you know, there's a lot of times you feel like you have to fight and you feel like you have to wage war in your own strength. I feel that way sometimes. But it's powerful to know the Lord is fighting for me. And if anyone opposes his chosen people, then they're opposing him. And you won't win in opposition of God. And he will humble, hoping to lead to repentance, those who oppose him. Um, but they will be brought low. And so, 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And so, starting off, just, Lord, would you listen to my prayers? Would you be attentive to my voice? Would you give me mercy? Fresh mercy. Would you uh, give me uh, your grace, your love. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. And so just another reminder here of that we are a forgiven people. We have access to forgiveness. And if we didn't, then who could stand before the Lord? How could I even go into his presence being wicked and and um being a person who who is um, blasphemed, a person who has uh, walked away from God, a person who has sinned, a person who has fallen short of the glory of God. Yet, thankfully, there is forgiveness in the Lord. And so I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. And this is, I like this, the way this is phrased, because it says the same phrase twice. It says, my soul waits for the Lord. More than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. You know, and so you've got to think about the concept of a watchman being an appointed, almost a security guard kind of an aspect is what you would imagine. But it was someone that would be posted, you know, on the wall of a city uh, where the city was fortified and they would look out and they would be in a state of just attentiveness and readiness, looking, looking, looking and and waiting and seeing, but also uh, anxiously expecting the arrival of the sun to rise and, and, and shine light upon everything and relieve them from their duties. And in that same way, does, do I wait and do I hope for you? Lord, my expectation is, is that of a watchman waiting for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. And so we, we must wait on the Lord, hope in the Lord, uh, trust in the forgiveness of the Lord and plead with others to keep their hope in the Lord and not to be conquered by what they're experiencing, but to anxiously look ahead, look behind at what God's already done and then look ahead in faith at what he is going to do. Psalm 131 is a very short psalm, but it's very beautiful. It says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This psalm is is, uh, specifically identified as being from David. And David did this same... same, um, uh, commission many times in his life that, that we have recorded is David was able to speak to his soul 
Your soul is your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions or your heart. It's your head. It's your heart. It's your it's your choices in life. Your purpose. Your plans. And um, it, it's the it's the deepest person of who you are. Uh, apart from it's apart from your skin and your flesh and your eye color and your hair and and it's it's the the truest you is what your soul is. And David was known for writing psalms like Psalm 103, where it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let all that is within me, you know, praise his name. Let all that's within me shout his praise. You know, um, there's something powerful as a deep level of spiritual maturity when you tell your soul what to do and you don't let your soul tell you what to do. Um, where, where you're, you're not a slave to what your mind thinks or what your heart feels or what, or, or the plans that you want for your life. But instead you bear your soul before the Lord and you say, I want all of you. And so, uh, we've read and covered well by now, David's commissioning of his soul to worship. And we must do that. Worship is not optional. Just last night, I was struggling. I had had a difficult day, and I'm human, so I have those sometimes. And the enemy was causing me to anxiously toil, which was funny because the passage we had dwelt upon in our time together was how he gives his beloved sleep. And they don't have to eat the ang- the bread of anxious toil, you know. And uh, I felt like I just ate that bread all day yesterday. And I was just having such difficulty uh, keeping my mind off of anything and everything. And I just felt like I was racing all day in my mind. And um, I got to our worship practice at the church that night. And I just began to sing. I didn't want to sing. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to sing songs like I wanted to get a root canal. And I just I just mean that. I mean, literally, given that proposition of a root canal or singing songs last night, I just don't even know which one I'd pick. I'd flip a coin. That's how much I just didn't want to sing. I didn't want to praise. I didn't want to play my guitar. I didn't want to do any of that. I just, I was, I was so downtrodden. And it was almost like it was a feeling in me. I'm just being transparent. There was a feeling in me of what, what good is this going to do, you know? And um, I opened my mouth and I began to sing and I hadn't sung the first verse of the song we were singing and I I hadn't sung for longer than five seconds and I just felt peace, just release. And uh, I thought, oh, well, there we go. That's what I needed. Um, And I kind of knew that deep down, you know, sometimes, you know, deep down, that's what you need. Well, spiritual maturity is to know what your soul needs and to not care about whether or not your soul wants it. Okay? It's like your children. You know what they need. You don't care that much about their wants. Okay? They say, we don't want to go to bed. You say, you need to go to bed. You're going to bed. We don't want to eat. Yeah, you need to eat. I don't want to drink any water. Well, you need to drink water. You, 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 You discard their want. With responsibility, because you know what they need. Your soul has needs. And you discard what the soul wants to give what the soul needs. And so that, and David, David understood that maybe better than anyone else in scripture. And we should all press in to, to draw nearer to understanding uh, 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 what my soul needs and making sure that it gets it regardless of what it wants.
And so in Psalm 131, he is speaking to his soul again here. And he says, I've quieted my soul. Oh, I love that. I've quieted my soul. I've learned to quiet my soul. My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I'm not concerning myself with things that are too wonderful for me. I'm keeping my eyes only on the things that I can understand, only the things that I can praise, only the things that are worthy of my attention and things that are out there and people that are out there and I don't know what they're doing and I don't know where they're going and I don't know if their heart's okay and I don't know if the money's gonna be there and I don't know where we're gonna be at this time next year. I can't even put my, my attention upon those things. What I've done though is I've calmed and I've quieted my soul. Just like I need to tell my soul, soul, it's time to worship. Soul, it's time to get in the word. I also have to tell my soul, shh, that's enough. That's enough, soul. Calm down, heart. Calm down, mind. Okay? And then what he says is, I've calmed and I've quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I'm disciplining my soul and I'm training my soul. This should be encouraging to people like me who who feel as though sometimes we wrestle against uh, restlessness in our minds. That I can wean myself from this restlessness by constantly keeping my eyes on things that are not too great and too marvelous for me, but keeping my attention on things that I can process, things that I can praise. Like the word says, things that are true and noble and lovely and admirable. I keep my attention on there and I constantly say, shh, every time my soul drifts to a place that's that's too high for me to process. There are things, just not necessarily that it's bad, but there are just things that only God can deal with and only God can understand and only God can process. And you're not sinful because you're not thinking about it. Nowhere in scripture are we told to dwell deeply upon other people's salvation. Don't do that. Don't dwell deeply upon other people's safety or their health or their security. Don't dwell deeply upon your finances. Don't dwell uh, deeply upon the, the your children's uh, well-being especially if you have grown children. Don't dwell deeply upon it. You're not commanded to do that anywhere in Scripture. You're commanded to love them. You're commanded to bless them when you're able. And then you're commanded to pray for them. And that's and that's that. And, when, and, and, and we step into sin when we go past that because we, just like Jesus says, who of you can add one single stature to your life by worry? You can't add anything to anyone's life by thinking about them often. And so we, we need to be people that are constantly quieting our souls before the Lord and just hoping in God from this time forth and forevermore.